Hey, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Like our two previous episodes of In the Mix with Totally Normal and J-Rod, we are once again going to be dropping in on an extended mix for more than 40 minutes, this time from Pittsburgh DJ Samuel Andres. His sound is a little bit lighter and funkier than previous episodes, not quite as hard hitting, but definitely a sexy sound. At the end, we talk a little bit about how he got into DJing and his advice for other people looking to pursue a career as an artist. So here is In The Mix with Samuel Andres.
see, when it comes down to something that I want, I take it. So if you got something, baby, that I need, <laughs> don't fight it. Because all of this right here is worth every piece of it. So I need you to get
so that I really enjoyed that mix. I, I've already listened to it. Obviously, the audience did as well. And um, I, I, it was really fun because the previous two mixes that we've done have kind of been a little bit harder and, and intense. And I, this one was just kind of like grooving my head along. It was real groovy. So I, I want to maybe start off with talking a little bit about where you draw inspiration from or what the process is. Because something that's really interesting to me is the development of good taste mm-hmm. and how actually difficult that can be. Like there isn't necessarily a recipe to go and like acquire good taste in something. So as a DJ, your job is fundamentally to have good taste in music. Where, where do you find inspiration? Where do you go? What's your research process look like in terms of discovering music? That's a great question. So for me, I draw majority of my inspiration has been from my past. So I was originally uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. And I remember my brother, who was eight years older, leaving and going to go to clubs. And I would stay up late at night with a tape deck and record house music, like real New York City house music, which was very disco-inspired house and very New York kind of sexy sound. And that has always stuck with me as like my core love. It's called like real house, not the house we listen to now, which is much more EDM style house. So for me, every single song I listen to has to tap into that, that tap into that feeling of when I was a little kid recording mixes with my brother out clubbing, and and having that that disco, sexy New York sound. So that's what it starts with. It's got to tap into that, and I don't buy anything unless it it makes me feel something. So some people just will grab as much music as they possibly can. Um, for me, it's a very careful selection process. I have kind of my own routine of of vetting songs where I'll 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 never buy it on the first on the first go, unless it like brings me to tears or something. But uh, I'll listen to it and I'll kind of all those songs that that make me emote in some way. I'll kind of save them, and then I come back to them a couple of days later and I see do I feel that same emotion again? And if it brings that same emotion again then I'll move it into my potentially buy, uh, you know, kind of category. Um, but it always has to tap into that, that very disco, um, New York funky sound that for me reminds me of being a little kid. How old were you when that was going on? Like, would you say? So I was in the first grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. First grade. And I remember staying up and, uh, and, and recording mixes. Um, and even as I grew up and, uh, and, and my brother would 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 go out. I would still kind of record sets. And then when he when he no longer was even you know out, I just started recording sets myself, uh, and and dubbing out dubbing out the uh, the commercials and stuff. It was my own, it was how I started getting into tapes and music and and all of that. It was kind of how it started. So paint the picture for me of maybe the first time you got behind turntables, the first time you performed. Sure. So it started in college. So I remember um, my first year at the University of Virginia, uh, I, I just, I, I went out to my first party that had a DJ there. Um, and uh, basically I thought, well, this is the time to be irresponsible with my money, right? So um, I, bought the, I bought the most junky gear I could find and said, I'm just going to practice, just see what I can do. And um, and started practicing in my dorm room, annoying everyone else, 
but I really had a knack for it. And this was before the age of uh, BPM counters and uh, looping and, and all that. It was, you know, turntables um, straight up with no with no other programs or CDJs that really just press play or paused and you could pitch bend a little bit. And I started practicing and it just it just took and people started recognizing, man, these mixes, these, you're mixing well. And uh, and eventually had the opportunity to meet the the big DJ on campus, DJ Farzad. And uh, he I went out to one of his parties. He kind of befriended me and listened to some of the mixing I was doing and uh, and wanted to have me open for him. So that was kind of how it all started. He he gave me one night to open for him at a at a big party he threw, and the the rest is history. By the end, by the middle end of my second year, I was DJing almost every week at at some some place. It would be bars, uh, fraternity parties. I mean, anyone who would hire me. So it was a it was a great way to it was a great way to kind of expand my skill sets by just playing for whoever would hire me. And we were talking a little bit before we turned the mics on about the success that you've found and how how fulfilling you you find you work you find your work on a daily basis, and um, just in general, our audience is, is skews young, but specifically maybe to young artists who are looking for a piece of advice, or maybe you hear one of their mixes and you reach out to them or, or collaborate with them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, what what would you tell people who? are kind of just getting started in a time when, like you said, it's very crowded. It's a crowded time. Everyone's a DJ these days. Yeah. Yeah. It feels that way now, especially with the, how cheap uh, electronics are. It used to be so much more expensive, so much more difficult to, to get the gear. Now you can go to guitar center, you can buy, you know, one unit for 200 bucks and you have everything you need. Yeah. So, but I would say for, for those who are looking to get started, um, you know, start small, right. Um, do and and only get into it um out of a genuine desire to listen to more music right if you're going to be a dj you're there to play music because it's good music right i find that that's where the greatest fulfillment comes is when you get to play the songs that you really really love right so my 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 advice would be start small don't buy the most expensive gear just learn the basics and only buy the songs that you absolutely love, that make you feel something, and that you are excited to play for other people. So if you stick to that, it'll grow naturally. And people will recognize these songs. Why? Because they make you feel something, and you're so passionate about it, they're going to feel something about it too. And kind of getting back to that first question about the research process, what resonates with me is, so I don't really listen to that much music. I, I enjoy it, you know, um, but it, it's not, I'm listening to hours of podcasts today because that's, that's my thing. Like I'm always just like, Oh, how are they asking their questions? Who's this guest? And that's just what I'm digging deep into. And it just, it, it resonates with me so much. That's that same type of passion where, you know, maybe work is the four hour gig and then maybe travel and, and some other things. But, the real work, the real honing of your craft is the time discovering new music and finding that collection of skills and fluencies that you can then go apply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, for, every, for every event you do, you spend so much time prepping for it, right? Because you want to narrow down to those songs that are going to take the event somewhere, 
right? You don't just want to play bangers straight from the beginning. You want to work your way up. And that's what that's my method at least. I wanted to start and start somewhere and go somewhere, right? Can you maybe maybe like a side by side example two different like distinctly different types of parties or events that you would work and maybe how you think about those differently for people? Absolutely. So I'll start with the first one, which was more of a higher energy event. It was the Urban Garden Party that I did, that I did this year at the Mattress Factory. Okay. It's a yearly, their biggest fundraiser, and it's a huge bash. And I was the headlining DJ, and it was the theme was uh, the 40th anniversary, which is kind of vague. So for me, I narrowed it down to, well, 40 years ago, that was like in the 70s, where it was more disco-inspired, right? So for me, I thought this was perfect, right? So I found every single song that I could find that was disco-inspired house, high energy, where you could just, uh, you could feel like you were at Studio 54, right? And the event very much felt that way. And I think you found uh, that the mix I, I, I you just heard was uh, very much inspired by that style of music, right? That's very much what I've been playing this year. Um, now, I contrast that with the uh, event I did for the 412 Food Rescue um, about a, about a few months ago. It was a, uh, I think, a 10-course custom meal over four hours with local and, uh, and, and other chefs from other cities uh, that were making food with rescued food, making food with rescued food. And uh, for that, it had to be slow. It had to be chill. It had to be sexy. It had to have a nice uh, energy that kept people bobbing their heads, kept them eating, made them feel sexy, but... Uh, didn't you know melt their faces or make them irritable because the music was <laughs> too much energy? Yeah. So I remember like I knew I I knew it was working. What I was doing was working because I had to DJ for about four hours straight of this very subliminal type of house music. I knew it was working because when I looked around the room, I would see just people just bobbing their heads while they're eating their soup or eating their 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 courses, and just seeing their heads bob was confirmation that okay. They, they got it. it. It's it's sinking. It's kind of melted into them and it's working. Man, that's a beautiful picture. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to ruin it with this question, <laughs> but a four-hour set, how do, how do bathroom breaks work? So bathroom breaks, you, you find a very long song. Okay. And you time it. You make sure you have it. You, you, you mix in just right. So you've got the most amount of track as you possibly can. You make sure you know the next track you're going to play after that. You get them all queued up and you just run. Okay. And you make sure you know exactly where the the empty bathroom is. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Uh well that I guess that's a trick of the trade for people to uh to take advantage of. Um in terms of how you've you know w- with a lot of previous guests we've explored the marketing side of business and as much as you are maybe a common mistake of artists is the work will speak for itself or if I build it they will come. Um how have you thought about the brand of Samuel Andres, the DJ, and and communicating that and getting that awareness to more people. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a really good question. So, it started again small. Um, when I initially started out, I was doing all of my own logos. I was doing all of my own flyers for events back in Washington D.C., where I was DJing a lot, and and promoting that myself and building my own lists of of people who 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 would be interested. Right, my own email lists. Right. And then I realized that that was so much work. And so I started partnering with, with others that 
um, that had a, a larger network, right? And and that appreciated what I was doing and we could partner together. So that really helped because we could, you know, they had something, they had something I wanted and vice versa. So, and here we are now in Pittsburgh and uh, as, as the Lux resident DJ, I think it's a nice symbiotic relationship where they are um, at the at the cutting edge of a lot of events. They know they're very plugged in and um, we work well together by me providing this, you know, music service and them being able to kind of help shape my brand, so to speak. So, um, you know, for me, I felt that part making partnerships was much more effective than trying to promote myself all the time, grassroots. Uh, you got to find good friends that appreciate what you're doing and help you get your name out there. And, and a referral is better than a cold call. So Absolutely. That's a perfect example. Absolutely. Word. Um, so if people do want to connect with you, maybe they're a young DJ wanting to learn from you or just in general follow along on mixes or other work you may be doing, where can we point people towards to learn more about you? Absolutely. So you can find me um, on Facebook right now. Um, and uh, just look for Samuel Andreas. I'm the Lux resident DJ. Um, you can also find me uh, through Lux Creative. Uh, call the studio line or, or email them directly. Uh, or you can email me directly at uh, samuel at luxcompanies.com and, uh, and you'll get right to me. Great. We'll be sure to link that in the show notes for everyone. Going deepwithaaron.com slash podcast is the place to find it for this and every episode of the show. But as we do at the end of each episode, I want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. The personal challenge. My personal challenge would be to only buy the songs that make you feel something in your chest. So don't worry about buying 20. Don't worry about buying 50. Just find two or three really, really good songs that you love and do that every time you're going to buy something and throw away all the other stuff that you don't absolutely love. And if you keep building a library that way, you're going to have one of the best libraries of any DJ and people are going to recognize that and they're going to want your music because you took the time to, to, to weed out all the songs that don't make people feel anything. This may be an impossible question to answer, but is there a song that you've played more than any other song? Is there, is there like one shining on top of the hill? Yes. So that song is uh, Cerca de Mi by Little Louis Vega. Um, and it is uh, under the Masters at Work label. Okay. And for me, that song is one of the most beautiful uh, Latin-inspired New York house songs that I've ever heard. And I have the vinyl here in my in my library, and I can listen to it 50 times a day. And whenever I get the opportunity to play it, I don't always get the opportunity to play it. Whenever I get the opportunity to play it, I like to do so because it just makes me super happy and reminds me of so many great nights. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for the challenge and for the mix and for letting me pester you with all these questions. And sincerely, my hope for the listeners is that they can find work that is as uh, fulfilling and meaningful as, as you found your work to be. And thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you for having me. We just went deep with Samuel Andres. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day.